Welcome to the Antioch Austin podcast. Wherever you're listening from, we hope this message encourages you. For more information about Antioch Austin, please check our website at AntiochATX.com. Now here's Pastor J.D. Griffin. This is your first time with us again. Just extend a special welcome to you. Uh, also, if you're joining us online, hey, we can't wait to see you at one of our services. Uh, we love that God is building a beautiful family here in Austin that we get to be a part of. Amen. And uh, we're launching into a new series of talks today called Whisper. How many of you came to church this morning excited about being a part of something new? Just a couple people? Okay. Uh, we're going to be running uphill. But I actually have been excited to preach this message literally for months. I'm amped uh, that it's finally here. So if you have a Bible, I want you to go to the passage that really stirred me to really dream into this series called Whisper. And it's in 1 Peter 4, uh, starting in verse 7. It says, The end of all things is near. Therefore, be alert and of sober mind so that you may pray. And above all, everybody say above all. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. Above all else, love each other deeply. And, and, and I believe that God wants to take us on a journey to begin to silence and attack the whispers that divide us by teaching us to, above all, love each other deeply. Because love covers a multitude of sin. You remember being a freshman in high school? Is it too far back for some of you? It, I mean, there's something about being a freshman in high school. It's just like, you want to talk about the feeling of a new beginning? Being a freshman in high school. I mean, you have so much freedom to redefine even who you are. If you didn't like who you were in middle school, which let's be honest with each other, no one really liked who they were in middle school. If you're in middle school, bless you, hang in there. But freshman year in high school, man, you're talking about this beautiful tension of just possibility and fear. You know, like just anything. I mean, the world is at your fingertips. You're starting to experience like mini adulthood. You know, you're getting a little bit of responsibility. And I remember just agonizing in the mirror over, like, the placement of every hair. I look fondly back on those days. It's just like, just like the placement of every single hair. I mean, I wanted, I'm trying to maximize every situation, every moment, trying to maximize the cool out of it. You know what I mean? Like, I just wanted it to matter. I struggled in middle school when I was committed in high school. Man, it's not going to be that way. It's going to be better. And I'm going to get on the right foot. I'm going to start off right. Now, some of you guys know that in high school, I was in the band. Holla at your boy. And, uh, and so when you're in the band, you have to start school before everybody else. You go to summer band. Right? Yeah, but super bummer. So you're like there up at the school, you know, and, and you're practicing like all day long. And there was this like sudden monsoon storm. You know that Texas rain? I'm from Houston. Just that Texas rain comes out of nowhere and like rains for like two minutes, but the streets are flooded. 
You know, and so it was like one of those mornings where just raining cat and dogs. And so there's just standing water everywhere. And we ended up like rehearsing inside that morning. But now it was lunchtime. And so me and a couple of my other freshman buddies were like heading to the corner store to get lunch, you know, because that's what you do when you're a freshman. You, your lunch is like, you know, two Twinkies and a bag of Cheetos. And so we're going to get lunch and, and we're walking. And all of a sudden we see like this, this vintage Volkswagen beetle, you know, the little bugs, this vintage, this vintage bug is like flying down the road and hugging the curb. And it's just like the perfect timing, kind of like the movies. You guys ever seen those movies where like the person in New York gets like splashed by the pothole? So like they are humming next to the curb right as I'm standing right next to the big puddle of water. They hit that puddle of water. And I'll tell you, it was like a tsunami. All of the water that was on the road was in the air and then landed on just half of my body. So on the right side of my body was completely dry. Left side of my body, totally soaking wet, like wring out your shirt wet. So now I'm in full panic mode, right? I mean, how in the world? I'm supposed to be cool. Half my body is wet. How do you even just, like, how do you even explain this? You know, like, what happened? Like, oh, I fell in water only halfway. You know what I mean? Like, there's, like, no way to redeem this. So I'm already having the conversation with my parents in my brain. Like, okay, how, how can I transfer to a private school? You know, like, this is beyond repair. Like, it's over. The, the right foot is wrong. This cannot happen. You know, and, and then I'm, like, making my way back into the band hall, and I'm, like, hiding behind people and, like, hiding around different things, just trying to not be seen, minimize the embarrassment. And I hear from across the band hall the band director yell, JD, I need to see you in my office. And I'm like, oh, how am I in trouble? You know, like, what did I do? And I go in the office and the guys, the senior guys that were driving that vintage bug were in the office. And he is laying into them. The band director is just screaming at him like, how could y'all do this? And they're glaring at me with those eyes of, I can't believe you snitched on us. And so now I'm really fearing for my life. I'm like, not only is my reputation ruined, I'm going to be known as like Aquaman for the rest of my high school years. I was like, now I might not even live to see tomorrow. And the band director is just laying into these guys. And then he says, and J.D. didn't even tell us what happened. He, he was like so kind. He didn't even say anything. And I'm thinking, yeah, that's right. We only know about this is because some girls saw you guys do this. So they get in like huge trouble. And then afterwards, I'm thinking like, oh, my gosh, what do, like, how do I recover from this? This is like the worst start of any start you can have, you know. And I'll never forget at the end of rehearsal that afternoon, those dudes came up to me. And I'm shaking in my boots, you know what I mean? Like just like, oh. Uh. And they're like, hey, dude, pretty cool you didn't snitch on me, man. Thank you. And I'm like, hey, you're welcome, bro. You know, like, like I did it on purpose. Like, I, I was so scared. I didn't even know I could tell, you know, but like, but, but they're just like, thank me. And would you believe that those guys became some of my closest friends? Do you know that story I told about being at those dudes' house and they were moving to California and my mom came to Casa Le and like ripped me out of Casa Le? It was their house. These dudes became my friends. And by accident, I learned a very cool lesson that day. Be honest with you, it was unintentional. But I did learn that if you turn the other cheek in a moment of offense, instead of bringing division, it can bring about friendship. If you 
turn the other cheek in a moment that could be offensive, that could breed division, it can lead to friendship. And, and you know what? It doesn't have to take a lot to realize that we live in a very divided time. Our culture is polarized in a very real way right now. No matter where you fall on the political spectrum, I think we can all agree that we are a divided nation. That there is a polarization that has taken hold of who we are. You don't have to look very far to find horrible consequences of hatred. You don't have to look very far and dig very deep to find the pain of division and racism and prejudice and favoritism. You don't have to look far to see the anger and frustration and hopelessness that is deep in the stories of so many. And as a Jesus follower, I don't see this simply from the angle of practical problems that need to be addressed. I see this as a heart issue that needs to be healed. We need healing. And over the next few weeks, our goal is to open the door of understanding and healing by being a community that looks in the eyes of Jesus for clarity. Looks in the eyes of Jesus for restoration. Looks in the eyes of Jesus for direction. As we really ask God the hard question of how do we do 1 Peter 4, 8. How do we love each other deeply? How do we love each other deeply? Because love covers a multitude of sins. You know, throughout my years of being a follower of Jesus and maybe even more now that I'm a pastor, I have found great confidence and security in the promises of Jesus. There's so many amazing promises that Jesus gives us in the Bible. And that's why we constantly want to encourage you to be a Bible reader and not just a podcast listener. Amen. We need to get into the pages of this book because this book is going to navigate us through chaotic times. And this book is filled with promises, things that God promises to us, things that Jesus promises are going to happen to us, things that Jesus promises that we are going to experience. And those promises will hold us. Those promises will bring security to us. And a promise that I've seen to be so true that Jesus gave us in Luke 17, 1 says, it is impossible that no offense should come. Are you encouraged? It is impossible that no offense should come, but woe to him through whom they come. Jesus is making it known to all of us that you will be offended. You, offense is going to come at you at every angle. Jesus says it's impossible to go through life and not experience the pain and the frustration of being offended. You're going to see something, hear something, read something that will offend you. We can't escape it. We can't run from it. 
I'm not a betting man, but if I was, I would say that there is not a single person in this room that has never been offended. And I would actually raise the bet and say that it won't be the last time that you'll be offended. Jesus promised it's impossible that no offense should Come. So if we know that offense is going to come, if we know that we're going to see things, hear things, read things that will offend us, what do we do in our offense? Where do we go in our offense? If Jesus promised that, that, that it is impossible, that no offense should come, what do we do in our offense? Because here's the truth. Within our offense is a whisper that will divide us. In our offense is a whisper that will divide us. But in our offense, there's an opportunity for healing and reconciliation to begin as well. So as I was leaning into this and really just reading the Bible and saying, God, would you just show me? And reading what other people have written about this topic, I was brought to a passage of Scripture that is used often in talking about offense. It's in 1 Chronicles 19. 1 Chronicles 19. We're going to read five verses of Scripture here. They're going to tell a story of a moment of great offense. It says, Nahash was the king of the Ammonites, and when Nahash died, his son became the new king. Then David said, Nahash was kind to me, so I will be kind to Hanun, Nahash's son. So David sent messengers to comfort Hanun about the death of his father. And David's messengers went to the country of Ammon to comfort Hanun. But the Ammonite leaders said, did you see this? The Ammonite leaders said, they whispered, they whispered to Hanun, don't be fooled. David didn't really send these men to comfort you or to honor your father's death. No, David sent his servants to spy on you and your land. He really wants to destroy your country, a whisper that will divide us. So Hanun arrested David's servants, cut off their beards. Actually, he just cut off half of their beards. That's true. He cut off their clothes at the hip. And sent them away. What this means is he cut off half their beard and cut the bottom off their skirt and made them walk home in their drawers. That's funny. That's like funny Bible stuff. <laughs> like you read that, you're like, did that really happen? Like did, these guys had the back of their cloaks cut off so they walked home bare butts, like walking home with half a beard. It's in the Bible. Read the Bible. It's great. couple of things that are happening here below the surface. The first is a beard represented so much more to these men than just being a cool millennial. It, it, was, a, it was like your status symbol. It, it, it represented a place of authority. Like the, it, it, was, it was grown out to, to represent your, what you were to offer. Like if you were older and wiser and had lived some life, your beard showed it because it takes time to grow a beard. And so what this king was doing was he was shaming David's men. He was shaming them. 
And can you imagine how offended they were? They went to show kindness to him, to be a bridge builder, to say, your dad was kind to us. We want to be kind to you in your moment of pain and your moment of trouble. We want to demonstrate kindness to you. And then they're repaid with half of their beard being removed and having to walk home in their underwear. And rightfully so, in verse 5, it says that David's men were too embarrassed to go home. Wouldn't you be as well? David's men were too embarrassed to go home. And some people went to David and told him what had happened to his men. So King David sent this message to his men. He said, stay in the town of Jericho until your beard grows again and then come back home. David's response I think has more to do with what's happening in their hearts than it does just simply with the location that their facial hair can grow back. Because you have to understand that Jericho represented so much more than just a city to David. So much more than just a location to David's mighty men. You have to understand, Jericho was a place of unlikely victory. Have you heard of the Battle of Jericho? The people of God crossing the Jordan River, entering into the promised land. What was blocking them from entering into the promise of God? A walled city named what? Jericho. Jesus brought an unlikely victory to the people of God. What happened to the walls? They came down. Jericho was a place of unlikely victory. Jericho was a place of walls coming down. Jericho was also known as a place of sweet fragrance. It was a beautiful place. It had a lot of palm trees. It was right off the river. It was a place of restoration. It was a place of, of sweet fragrance. David was telling his men, look, it, don't come back here. Don't come home. Unless that offense is turned to sweetness. When he said, let your beard grow back, it wasn't just to cover them and protect them. Because aren't you thankful that we have a God that wants to cover us in our shame, protect us. He takes us to a sweet place so that we can be restored. But David was telling his men, look, you need to stay in the sweet place. You need to stay in the place of unlikely victory. You need to stay in a place where walls have been broken down and you need to be restored. Your heart needs to be restored. It's not just about your facial hair coming back. It's about the softness of your heart coming back. Because don't come back home with that offense still in you. So, so what do we do in our offense? We're going to be offended. Jesus promised we're going to be offended. David gives us a clue. We have to go to Jericho. You know what Jericho is for us? I love this. Jesus is our Jericho. Jesus is the one who brought the walls down between us and the promises that God has for us. Jesus is our sweet fragrance. Jesus is our safe place that brings restoration for our souls. Jesus is our Jericho. So where do we go in our offense? Where, where do we go when we might even be kind-hearted trying to demonstrate kindness and what is repaid to us is offensive or we're, we're experiencing something that we don't like and we know is wrong and it just brings anger and just frustration. And just where do we go? We have to bring it to Jesus. 
Our first stop is Jesus. We have to bring our offense to Jericho. And we have to hang out in Jericho until our beard grows back, until that offense literally is healed away so that we can go home and we're not affected by that bitter root of offense, but we can go to another place and David could trust them to represent him in another place and not allow that bitter root to taint what they're experiencing because war was at stake. Where do we go in our offense? We have to go to Jericho. We have to go to Jesus. We have to bring Jesus what has offended us and, and we have to understand that He is the God of Psalm 23.3 which He restores and refreshes our soul. That's why it's amazing that we can approach the throne room of grace with confidence. Approach the throne room of grace with confidence so that we can receive mercy and grace to what? To help us in our time of need. Jesus is where we come with our hurt. Jesus is where we come with our offense. And it is in Jesus that we're allowed to experience healing and mercy and grace in the middle of things that are horrifically painful. Unbelievably shameful. We can experience mercy and grace in our time of need. David understood and this is what he communicated to his men, that if we don't go to a place of victory and find mercy for the pain that we're in, to find restoration and refreshment for our souls on the backside of offense, our focus will become revenge and not reconciliation. Are you hearing what I'm saying? If we don't get sweet, we're going to want to get even. If we don't get sweet, we're going to want to get even, this is huge, because the spirit of revenge will keep us from coming together. The spirit of revenge will keep us from the very thing that we long for, which is reconciliation. We, we long for justice. We, we long for unity. But the spirit of revenge in the mix of that will block us from being able to hear one another. So we just keep shouting at each other and, and we wonder why we're not coming together. And it's because the spirit of offense unchecked will give birth to division and revenge. And revenge and reconciliation are not the same thing. One revolves around getting even and payback, and one revolves around healing and reconciliation. Jesus said in Matthew 5, 38, You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. If anyone wants to sue you, take your shirt, hand over your cloak to them. And if anyone forces you to go one mile, go two. Give to the one who asks you and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. Jesus is saying it's not about getting even, it's about staying soft. You want to talk about a picture of staying soft if you are slapped on one side of your face, offer the other side of your face. That is the picture of operating in a spirit of reconciliation and not a spirit of revenge. 
That, that's a picture of taking something that should be offensive, that is, that is enraging and frustrating, and saying, I'm not going to allow that to steal my ability to demonstrate to you reconciliation because I'm taking this offense and I am now going to go to Jesus and I'm going to receive mercy and I'm going to receive grace in my time of need so that then I can demonstrate to you what we all really long for, which is healing and unity. It's not about getting even. It's about staying soft. You know, I don't always pass this test. I'm going to be honest with you. There are moments when I feel attacked, accused, hurt, misunderstood, that I don't go to Jericho. I don't always get this one right. But I have found that the few times that I have is that I'm able to come through the fire more soft, more able to be a minister of reconciliation than I ever thought imaginable. Because when we experience the deep love of the Father, it fuels us to be able to love each other deeply. And that love covers a multitude of sin. Because love comes out of a soft heart. You can't love deeply if you don't have a soft heart. If your heart isn't sweet, you're not going to be able to love deeply. If we don't deal with the spirit of offense that wants to sink in and seep in to what we're doing, eventually our hearts will go from being soft to hard. And that will stop us from being able to leave first, live 1 Peter 4, 8, which is to love each other deeply. It'll stop us from being able to demonstrate the love that covers a multitude of sins to those around us. Because hard hearts don't deeply love. And this is why unforgiveness is such a big deal. Jesus, when he was asked how to pray by his disciples, he said, pray this. Father, forgive me of my sin and forgive those who have sinned against me. Isn't that interesting? And Jesus' lesson to us on how to pray he includes receiving forgiveness and extending forgiveness. God, forgive me, and God, allow me to forgive those who have hurt me. Because unforgiveness will divide a family. Unfortunately, I get a front row seat to a lot of family drama in my job. And you start digging into some of the pain and frustration that families are feeling. And oftentimes you will find out you don't even know why they're mad. I haven't talked to my mom in six years. Why? I don't even remember. Unforgiveness brings division. Unforgiveness brings the spirit of revenge. And, and reconciliation and revenge could not be more opposite. And so we have to not just ask that Jesus would come in our moments of offense. We need to ask that Jesus would come and allow us to be healed from some unforgiveness that maybe has been put in us from years ago. 
The passage of scripture, Ezekiel 25, says the Philistines acted in vengeance and took revenge with malice in their hearts and were filled with ancient hostility. You know how you can translate ancient hostility? I love it. It can also be translated old hatred. The Philistines acted in vengeance and took revenge with malice in their hearts because of old hatred. The, the, old unforget, the old hatred was in them and so deeply laced within their culture that it was driving them to act and take revenge on a people that literally had nothing to do with their old hatred. But that's what unforgiveness does. Unforgiveness fuels offense. If we have unforgiveness in our hearts, it will make us easily offended. If there's unforgiveness in you, it does not take a lot to offend you. And we need to ask God to come and deal with some of the old hatred inside of us. Some of this old pain that time did not heal. Some of these old frustrations that space did not take care of. Because listen to me, your old pain will whisper to you. Your old pain will whisper to you similar to the way that the leaders whispered to that king. And someone's coming to love you, bless you. And there's a whisper, they're not here to love you. They're not here to bless you. They're here to steal from you. They're here to take advantage of you. And then all of a sudden, you perpetuate old hatred. We need to ask that Jesus would come and forgive us so that we can forgive those who have hurt us. I'll end with this. You know, there's a story of a horrific act of violence that happened in our nation a few years ago. Some of you have heard me tell this story. But there was a black gospel church named Emmanuel in Charleston, South Carolina. And they were gathering together for a Bible study one evening. And a young white man walked into this Bible study and they lovingly welcomed him into their meeting. The reports say that he hung out with them for about 45 minutes before he took out a gun and in cold blood murdered them because of the color of their skin. Stories like this don't just affect the community that was involved. They affect the nation. And unfortunately, these stories are all too common. You hear about these horrific hate crimes all the time. But what's unique about what happened in Charleston, because usually on the back end of these horrible, unthinkable tragedies, they lead to more horrible, unthinkable tragedies. It's because the spirit of offense divides and revenge creates revenge. And so violence just begins to spill out all over the place. But not in Charleston. Because a couple of days after the attack, the young man that did these unthinkable things was put on trial. And the family members of the people that had been killed 
had a moment where they could talk to the man that murdered their family. And one after one, they looked at him and said, I forgive you. I miss my grandmother, but I forgive you. I'll never have my dad again, but I forgive you. And one by one, they said, I forgive you. I forgive you. And it all came down to the young man who spoke last. His name was Anthony Thompson. Anthony Thompson takes the mic. He's the grandson of one of the victims. And he said this. We'd like you to take this opportunity to repent. Repent, confess, and give your life to the one who matters most. Jesus. So he can change your ways. And no matter what happens to you, you're going to be okay. Wow. Wow. In a moment of unbelievable pain, deep, justified offense, unbelievable rage, the power of forgiveness began to build a bridge to healing. And this moment is looked at so often because this is one of the most horrific things that have happened, but it did not spark more violence. And it's being studied. Why? Why is it that this one stands alone? It's this horrific act of rage and racism. But the response seems to be different in the community. What is it? It's a spirit of reconciliation that comes on the back end of forgiveness. It's this unbelievable church in Charleston demonstrating for us what 2 Corinthians 5.14 looks like. Which says this, for Christ's love compels us. Because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves. But for him who died for them and was raised again. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in that way, we don't do so any longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ... The new creation has come and the old has gone and the new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. Through Jesus, God does not count our sins against us so that we might find mercy and grace in our time of need to not count the sins of others against them. That is the ministry of reconciliation. If we want to be a healing balm in our city of reconciliation, it starts with us taking our offense to Jericho and staying sweet-hearted and allowing Jesus to give us mercy and grace in our time of need so that we don't respond in revenge, but we operate in the power of forgiveness and reconciliation because our city is in desperate need of unity. Our city is in desperate need of reconciliation. 
Our city is in desperate need of a church that wants to fight to see Jesus glorified in this place. And we're going to experience breakthrough when we understand that I have to take my offense and give it to Jesus so that I can be healed and experience the forgiveness that then I can give to those who have offended me. Am I talking to anybody this morning? We can experience the hope of reconciliation because of what Jesus has done for us. Can you stand to your feet?